This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, when all has been heard, in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Welcome back. Happy Sabbath. I haven't seen many of you today this Sabbath, so I trust that your Sabbath has been going well and that you have been blessed and enriched and filled. I know that much of what I've listened to today has just fed my soul deeply and challenged me in ways that I needed to be challenged. So I pray that 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 is true for you as well. Let's pray and we'll begin. Father, we're grateful. We've been here with you in several sessions. And we ask that you would guide us. We ask that you would send your spirit. We ask that you would bless us. And Lord, I believe that you have done that. I hear from different women the things that you are doing and have been doing in their lives and in their thinking as we try to hear and listen closely to what you have to say. So we're asking you, Lord, to do it again. In this session, send your Holy Spirit. Send your spirit, Lord, not just to comfort us, but also, Lord, to challenge us. Send your spirit, Lord, not only to be with us, but also to help us to understand and to move us in the direction that you would have us to go. Lord, I stand in your presence I know that you have a message for your people. May I be a channel for that message. Lord, empty me, cleanse me, so that all that we say will come from your throne and flow clearly to your daughters, Lord, so that they might be blessed. And Lord, when you do what you do, because you say if you're lifted up, you'll bring others to you. When you do what you do, we'll give you all the honor and all the glory. Amen. For many of you, and some of you have been here for all of the sessions that we've been together, for many of you, you know where we've been and what we've tried to do. Some of you are here for the first time. So allow me, very briefly, to go through some of the things that we've talked about so far and set that as a context for what we're going to do today. In our first session, we talked about women and their identity. We talked about the fact that one of the things that God did and does for us is to create us in his image as women. To create us in his image, and when that image was marred, God continued and said, you know what, I still want them to be in my image. And so, one of the things that he did was to make it possible for us to be restored to his image, to be redeemed. And that makes us women of worth. Daughters of the king who are created, redeemed, adopted, and through all of it, infinitely loved. The fact that the God of the universe loves us and died to save us makes us women worth dying for, women to die for. And we can live in the light of that identity. 
So we talked about identity, and we talked about beauty, that one of the things that God created us to be is beautiful. And being made in the image of God means that God is willing for us to be developed into that beauty. But that beauty comes from the inside out. So those of us who are concerned about how we look and what we have and how it works can be reminded that God is designing, building in us and through us beautiful women, and that beauty is based on who you are in your reflection of Jesus Christ. And we talked a lot about specific characteristics that beautiful women have. And we also talked about how beautiful women who are beautiful on the inside can then have an outside that matches the inside. So the way that we dress, the way that we carry ourselves, also reflects that image of God. We are his witnesses, and we show it in the way that we dress and the way that we carry ourselves. That was session one, session two. Who was here for session three? Anyone? What do we do in session three? What do we talk about? Purity. We spend a whole session talking about that call to purity. We based it in James 1 that we are pulled away by our lust, our uncontrollable cravings for things that often lead us to sin, and then sin leads to death. And we looked very specifically at some of those cravings that seem to be either unique to women or developing more greatly among women than they used to in the past. And we talked about the, God, the fact that the God who made us is also the God who can protect and preserve us from those addictions, from those lusts, from those cravings that take us in directions that take us away from him. Right? We spent a session talking about leadership and submission, what it means to submit to God, what it means to say, yes, Lord, because women of God are women who are going and doing what God has for them to do. And in order to do that, you have to be able to say, yes, Lord. And that means submitting to him a wide range of things. Our dreams, our desires, our expectations, and allowing him to give us and lead us based on his dreams for us, his goals for us, his desires and his expectations. And then we did a session on singleness. Notice that we did submission before we did singleness so that we understood the ability to, yes, Lord, in the area of our relationships, our desired relationships, so forth and so on. And we connected that in some ways to that question of lust and fantasy, how we've bought into, in many ways, the fictional story about relationships, about our inability to exist without a man in our lives, our being incomplete, if there is no man in our lives. And so we spend some time talking about what is it to live a full, abundant life as a single person. Because God calls us all to abundant lives, married or single, right? And so we spend some time dealing with that. What we'd like to do in our session this evening, 
And you know how you try to decide what would be the best way to end, okay? And you're praying and you're studying and you're looking at it. How, Lord, ought we to put it together? And I had this sense that we were going to end with this tremendous charge for you to go out and do ministry and so forth and so on. You've had that charge today, have you not? And it was brilliantly, beautifully done as the Holy Spirit spoke to us. Which is why what I was given to do was not that. And so what I want to do, as you prepare to go home, I'd like to spend some time talking about sinkholes. And those of you who read the little description was significance that lasts, sinkholes and scaffolding. I would like to spend some time talking about sinkholes. Imagine that you're sitting on your porch, okay, got your lemonade, you're enjoying the day, you look out, and there's the lawn, and it's a beautiful lawn, and your neighbor's next door doing wonderful things, and so forth and so on, and then suddenly a hole appears in your lawn. Out of nowhere. Just a hole. Okay. Imagine that you're sitting in a house, and you hear a really loud sound, and you get up and go to the next bedroom, and the bedroom, for all intents and purposes, is not there. The house is still standing, but the furniture, and in this particular case, and it's a true story, with the person who was lying in the bed, has disappeared into a hole. Jeff Brown died in his bedroom, in a hole that opened up under his bed, and took the furniture and the bed with it. Okay. These are sinkholes. I had never heard of a sinkhole until I moved to Alabama. And the year that I moved to Alabama, not too far from where I live, a sinkhole opened up on the highway. And cars and trucks fell into the hole. And the hole kept growing. And for a couple of days, they had no idea how to close the hole. What does that have to do with being a Christian woman? One of the things that I was told in Alabama when I started wondering would my house disappear is that there are sinkhole seasons, that there are certain times of year that are sinkhole seasons, where sinkholes tend to open up sort of randomly in various places. And it occurs to me that we live in a sinkhole season. We live in a period of time where people suddenly seem to have the bottom fall out of their lives. They might be spiritual leaders. They might be friends. We all know people where things seem to be going along just fine, where things seem to be working OK, and then suddenly, someone's down, deep, in a hole. And I think as women, we are at risk of sinkholes, particularly those of us who are in ministry and trying to do God's work. We are at risk 
of having holes open up in our lives and our spiritual experience that we didn't see coming. So I want to talk a little bit about how a sinkhole develops, how it develops in our spiritual lives, and what it is that we can do about it. Basically, what happens when a sinkhole develops is that underneath the earth, a hole is developing. Underneath the earth, the foundations are being eroded and disappearing. And what normally happens is you don't know it because it's happening underneath. And so there may be some kind of tremor. Maybe they're doing construction. Maybe they're digging a well. And suddenly this hole opens up. The hole was not caused by the storm or by the digging or by... It just exposed a hole that was under there. Is that making sense to you? That sometimes something happens in your life and the response that you have seems so much more dramatic than what happened. Because that response was not caused by that shaking, it was caused by the hole that was developing our, in our lives. So I want to talk a little bit about how that happens. And let me talk about it in terms of a couple of different types of sinkholes in real life that I think are analogous to a couple of different types of spiritual sinkholes. What happens in a sinkhole is that underneath the surface, there's soil, different types of soil, and then there's something called an aquifer. And an aquifer is water moving way down, usually, underneath the earth, underneath the surface of the earth, and it helps to make sure that plants grow and other healthy things happen. All right? It irrigates the earth. And somewhere under here, there's an aquifer, okay? And somewhere under here, that aquifer is covered with some sort of surface, right, that hopefully is rather deep. The first way that sinkholes happen is when the surface over the aquifer is actually not very deep. And so when shaking happens, there's a little sink. And that little sink gets deeper and deeper because the surface is not strong enough to support weight. Does that make sense to you? Let's talk about that then in our spiritual lives. One of the ways that we as Christian women sometimes find ourselves in spiritual problems is because that surface that we have in our lives, you know how we look really good and we look really Christian and we have the right voice and the right smile, okay? And we say happy Sabbath, okay? It's just this deep, it's surface. We don't have that deep foundational relationship with Jesus Christ 
that will give us enough to stand on. And so when something happens, we lose that surface and we fall into a hole and we fall into error and mistake or whatever it might be, or we just fall into hurt and depression. Does this make sense to you? Some of us have been there. Some of us may be there. Now, often that happens with the person who has not learned to study the word, who has not learned to spend time with Christ, who has not learned. Sometimes it happens with new Christians. Sometimes it happens with people who've been Christian a long time. But the surface is still pretty narrow. We haven't gone deep. We haven't developed depth. Peter ran into that problem. Remember in Mark 14? What happens to Peter? They are coming to get Christ. And Peter, who's been Christian and been with Christ for three years and so forth and so on, suddenly feels his old self rising up. And when they try to get Christ, he whips out his sword and chops off the guy's ear and curses. And I have a feeling that at some point, Peter looked back and said, where did that come from? But it happens to us when we don't have the depth or when we have trouble building and maintaining that depth based on our time with Christ, our understanding of Scripture, our prayer, and our devotional life, when we don't have that, sometimes the old stuff comes popping up through that nice, shiny, new surface. Beware of sinkholes. But those sinkholes tend to be not dramatically deep and somewhat fixable. Okay? But there are other sinkholes that are a little different. There are other sinkholes that are caused for other kinds of reasons. And one is called a cover collapse sinkhole. Now, in a cover collapse sinkhole, one of the things that happens is that the aquifer gets drained. That water down there is being pulled out and it's not being replaced. Let's think water of the Holy Spirit for a minute. The water is being pulled out, the water is not being replaced, and it creates a hollow. And that hollow keeps growing underneath the surface and getting bigger and bigger and deeper until some minor thing creates this massive hole. Okay. There was a cover collapse sinkhole, Guatemala City, I believe, in the 1970s, if I recall correctly, that was so big that it took down buildings and several city blocks. Okay. The aquifer had drained away Nothing had refilled it, and by the time they realized that hole was so massive underneath. How does that happen in our spiritual lives? How many of you serve? Serve in some way. You serve. Almost every woman I know serves. 
Whether you're serving at home, whether you're serving at church, whether you're serving at work, most of us serve. And many of us serve in all those places. So we are giving and giving and giving and giving. And sometimes in that giving, what we find is we're giving so much, we're giving so often in so many directions, blessing so many people that our aquifer is being drained. But sometimes that aquifer is being drained and it is not being replaced. Have you ever been so busy serving that your devotional life suffered? Have you ever been so busy serving that your health suffered? That you weren't getting sleep? You weren't eating well? Have you ever been so busy serving that your relationships suffered? You didn't have time to spend with your family. You didn't have time to spend with the people who mattered to you. And suddenly we wake up one day and we're totally worn out. We wake up one day and we're totally burned out. We wake up one day and we no longer want to serve. We wake up one day and we find we can't serve. Turn with me in the Bible to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. I turn to this passage often as I speak with women, as I counsel with women, because all around the world as I talk with women, I'm hearing the same thing. I start asking questions. The conversation starts with something light, and eventually we get to, I'm tired, I'm worn, I don't know how much more. And sometimes we get to it after things have fallen apart, after there's been a hole, after some kind of mistake that we think to ourselves, how could that ever happen to that person? It's not new. Remember Elijah on Mount Carmel? Elijah's on Mount Carmel, and he does this amazing, amazing thing. You remember the story, right? Elijah's on Mount Carmel, standing by himself for God, okay, against all of the prophets of Baal. And he stands strong, and he stands firm, and he represents God appropriately, and God shows out. God doesn't just burn the sacrifice. God burns the altar that they poured water on. I mean, it is this wonderful victory for God. Elijah is clearly a strong Christian leader. And, you know, we look at that story and we think to ourselves, you know, that's who I want to be. I want to be a female Elijah. I want to be the one standing out there. What happens to Elijah after Carmel? 
Elijah does this wonderful thing. He stands up for God by himself. And then he gets this message that Jezebel wants to kill you. And this man who stands against all these prophets, this man who stands up and it seems cannot be moved, runs because he hears a woman's after him. And he runs, and he runs, and he runs, and he ends up, and this is the piece to me that is so amazing. When Elijah runs, he ends up under a tree, and my understanding as we've read the descriptions of that tree is a tree that does not have leaves, or almost no leaves. It has no foliage, it's scraggly, and Elijah falls down under this tree. Now, He's in the desert. If there are no leaves, and if it's scraggly, it is not hiding him from anybody. So he ran all that way to just be out there where they can find him anyway? They have horses. They have chariots. What is Elijah doing? So Elijah gets under this little scraggly tree, and the Bible says in 19 verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. He left his servant there, he went a day's journey into the desert, came to that broom tree, sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. Suicidal much? He prayed that he might die. And he said to God, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life, I'm no better than my ancestors. And he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. Have you been there? Have you been there? At that point where you're like, Lord, it's enough. I'm done. I know that last week I was just on fire doing stuff for you. But now, Lord, I'm done. Can't do. Can't do. So, Lord, just end it for me. And the ending, there may be various versions that we give of what that means. But the sinkhole has opened up. And we are falling. And we are falling. And I love what happens to Elijah. Look very carefully with me to what happens to Elijah. And all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water, and he ate and drank and then lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. This is what God does with burnout. This is what God does with depression. This is what God does when our aquifers are drained and we are in danger of meltdown. Let me feed you. Let me give you some rest. And when you think you've had enough, let me feed you again and send you back to sleep. Let me feed you and let you sleep until you are stronger. Am I talking to anybody today? Am I talking to anybody today? Okay. And so it is that when he had done that, Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into the cave and spent the night. 
And then God starts to deal with him. Then God starts to have that conversation. Elijah, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Elijah, was this somewhere that I sent you? Elijah? And I, I love Elijah's response because it sounds so much like us. God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah says, Lord, you know what? I worked really hard for you. I've been zealous for the Lord Almighty. And the Israelites, they're doing this and they did this and they did this other thing. And on top of this, Lord, I'm the only one that's left. Does it sound like us? Lord, I've been working hard. And those people, whichever those people are, those people at church, or those people at school, or those people, those people, Lord, they just keep, and they won't. And, I, and part of the reason why, at that point, they have become those people is because we are so worn, so tired, so depleted, that our whole perception has been skewed. This is a risk for all workers. This is a risk for all people involved in service and ministry. And God, God lets Elijah, Elijah speak. And God listens to Elijah, but you know what? He doesn't argue with Elijah. He doesn't correct Elijah. He has Elijah go outside, and then God gives Elijah a new revelation of himself. God gives Elijah a fresh vision of who God is. And when God has given that to Elijah, only then does he start to talk to Elijah about more ministry. So what's the takeaway from Elijah's story? For those of us who are beginning to feel, or maybe more than beginning to feel, Worn, burned out, tired, exhausted, and we're worrying that we're losing our first love and we're worrying that we're losing our hold on God. What's the takeaway? The takeaway is that if we are going to minister and not have those holes open up in our lives, that aquifer has to be fed. That aquifer has to be continuously fed so that it doesn't drain away. Are you serious about pouring into the instrument that God has given to you for ministry what you need to maintain? So let's talk about it physically, We'll talk about it emotionally, and then we'll talk about it spiritually. Elijah had expended a tremendous amount of physical energy on very little food. And so part of his breakdown was physical. I'm talking to women. I'm talking to women who serve and who, almost by definition, nurture and feed other people. Part of our responsibility is to make sure that we are also nurtured and fed. Can I talk to you about eating? Eating well? 
about sleeping, sleeping regularly for the right amount of time. Two hours does not count. Two hours is a nap, and praise God for the naps that we add to the sleeping. Why are we so gifted at not sleeping well? Why are we so gifted at staying up late and getting up early and getting things done and then crashing? Hold that note. I want to come back to that. No one else can do it but us. Eat, sleep, exercise. Take care of our bodies because God says, present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. We did not, in the sanctuary services, the sacrifices presented were not broken, worn down, and malnourished. Why do we think it's okay for our sacrifice to be broken malnourished, sick. Am I making any kind of sense? So one, do the things that God has told us we need to do. You know that over and over in the Bible it talks about taking care of your health, about having health so that your body, um, so that your body functions and flourishes like your soul flourishes. All right, we have the words given to us in ministry of healing and all kinds of other sources that tell us how important this is. And we think it only applies to other people and not us. There's a passage. Love my neighbor as myself. And one of the ways to ask yourself about good self-care is to ask yourself if you would treat your child this way. Do you let your child not eat for a day and function with no sleep? <laughs> now, now, we can talk about abuse, but... Um, <laughs> so, take care of your health. Take care of your health. Take care of your health. Can I say it again? Take care of your health. Okay. Sometimes we have given so much emotionally We've worked with other people. We've sat with the young people. We've done this in church, and we've been with our husbands and our children and given what they need. And then, when it's all given, we wonder why we're empty. We wonder why there's nothing left. Are we sitting enough time with God to allow him to feed us emotionally? Are we sitting enough time with the people that God places in our lives as companions, as intimate friends, as other people who feed into us? Who's in your life that God has placed in your life to help feed into you? Are you making sure that you spend time with them? We tend to spend time with the people who need us and forget about the people that we need. God gives us gifts, and part of those gifts are to help us from 
having aquifers that are drained. But if you ignore the gift, if you let the gift go, then we find ourselves in those same kinds of positions. The last thing that happens with Elijah is Elijah had to slow down and stop. When do you break? How do you break? When was the last time that you took time off? When was the last time that you took a break and had someone else carry the load for a while? There's a proverb that says that women hold up half of the world. And I think many of us think that we hold up the whole world. And the reality is, we don't hold up half of the world. God holds the world up and keeps it spinning. And he does not need us to do that. God can spin the world without us. It sounds obvious, but how often have you said to yourself, I have to push myself this last little bit. I have to go even further, because if I don't do it, who will? Because I'm the only one who can? Because God is unable to call someone else? Unable to provide for his people? Are you hearing me? Does it make sense? We are going back home from GYC energized for new service. Energized to do more for God. And I'm excited about that. I listened to the call and I said to myself, Lord, what else do you need from me? What else do I have to do? And I want us to go home energized and minister. But I want us to minister the way that Christ ministered. Think about Jesus. Did Jesus sleep? Jesus not only slept, sometimes Jesus is like, you know what, you all get on with it because I'm going to sleep. Jesus is sleeping in the boat while the disciples are doing things. And clearly he understood that they could continue to do what it was they did even though he was sleeping. Okay. Jesus took himself up into the mountains away from the crowds to spend time with God, but also to get away from the crowds. Jesus' ministry is an image of out and withdraw. Out and withdraw. So you see him actively working with people, giving and giving and giving. And then you see him retreating to Martha and Mary's house, where he can just rest and be with friends and be refilled. We want to minister like Christ. If our ministry is such that we are doing so much and so many things that we cannot be obedient to God's call to take care of ourselves and to spend time with him, then something that we're doing, he didn't call us to do. Because there is time and there is energy for all the things we are called to do. 
So perhaps something we're doing is somebody else's call. Perhaps something that we're doing, if we were not doing, someone else would be able to do. I can't speak to your life, but the Holy Spirit can. I can't speak to you in terms of what you are called to do and what you should be doing, but the Holy Spirit can. The impact of running ahead of Christ, choosing to do things that we may not have been called to do, is that we find ourselves totally depleted. Does that mean that God does not sometimes ask us to go that extra mile, do that extra thing? Yes, but many of us live in that extra space. Many of us live in that sense of crisis, constantly doing. And so, as I'm speaking to you today, because this is true wherever I speak, some of you are already there. Some of you know that you're almost there. Some of you are concerned because you know that if you continue the way that you are, you will not be able to serve God the way that you want to, the way that you're called to. I want to suggest to you, well, before I do that, let me mention one other thing, because I should mention this. There is another type of sinkhole that is created because there's debris and garbage down in the foundation. And so, because there are foreign objects that do not belong, the foundation falls apart. Okay. So, another possibility when we're falling apart is to ask ourselves, Lord, is there something here that doesn't belong? Is there something here? Because what they say is those foreign parts decay. And as they decay, they create spaces. And those spaces build up the hole, and then the thing falls apart. All right? And if you think about the story of Korah in the Bible, where God actually allows a hole to open up and swallow them, it's based on the idea that there was present in their lives things that ought not to have been there. But what happens if I'm already there? What solution is there for us? Or what happens if... I go home and I start ministry, and as I'm working, I realize that, you know what, this is out of balance. First of all, let me say, go back to the basics. Go back to the foundational things. The prayer and the praise. Go back to, I'm looking, Lord, for the things that you have done, and I'm praising you for it. Lord, I want to stay in connection with you, even though I may not feel as if I can do deep Bible study and so but I want to stay in connection with you. There's a wonderful thing about sinkholes. All sinkholes can be repaired. All sinkholes can be repaired. However, usually we can't repair them ourselves. Because you know what people try to do to repair a sinkhole? Here's the hole. And so they pour more dirt in it. And they pour gravel in it. And they put stuff. What do you think happens? 
Because the aquifer is still empty, what's going to happen with that hole is a little bit down the road, it's going to open up again. And the next time, it'll probably be bigger. You can't repair sinkholes by yourself. And there are actually companies that their main job is to go around and repair sinkholes. That's what they do. And you know how you get into topics like this, and you're reading the internet, and you're all excited about what they're saying. And it's fascinating to look at how they do that. One of the things that they do is they go deep down into that foundation, and they clear out all the debris. They go down, and they literally refill the aquifer till it comes up to whatever level it might need to be. Then they drill down and send down concrete or a concrete-like surface that then oozes out and covers and rebuilds that top layer. And rebuilds that top layer in a way that is strong enough to protect the aquifer. And because they've taken care of the foundational issue, the foundational issue it doesn't reoccur. So, what do I want to say? We cannot solve our own sinkholes. But God is in the business of sinkhole repair. If you're burned out, if you're struggling, if you're exhausted, if you're spiritually in that place where you know that I don't have enough, Lord, to actually even pursue you the way that I would like to. God does sinkhole repair. He'll come in and he'll check. Is there anything in here that's decaying that I need to clean out? Is there anything here that shouldn't be there? And in many cases, that's not the issue. But he'll check because he repairs sinkholes. And then, as he did for Elijah, he'll pour back into you. He'll pour back into you. He'll feed you. He'll give you rest, and he'll pour his spirit onto that parched ground. In that empty space, God will fill it with his Holy Spirit. And as the level rises in your life, that water will begin to refresh that water will begin to restore, that water will begin to change us back into the women that he created us to be. But if all he did was put that there and he didn't cover you, you're still at risk. And so what he will do is he'll bring in his concrete and he'll put over you a protection that's strong enough and heavy enough and deep enough that when things start to shake, that Holy Spirit in you is protected. Am I making sense to you? For us as women, the risk of giving more than we receive, the risk of taking on more than we need, to be involved in, the risk of believing that without our, our service, nothing will happen is really high. And it means the risk of burnout, 
the risk of depression, the risk of overexhaustion is also really high. So my prayer for you, first, is that we live the kind of lives of abundance that preserve us from getting there in the first place. That we live the kinds of life of balance, movement between service and reception, that keep us from getting there in the first place. But if not, I pray that you see the signs, that you recognize, acknowledge, and take seriously the signs. Because sinkholes not only hurt us, they hurt the people that we serve, and they hurt the God that we represent. And so when you see the signs, there are actually signs, you know, that a sinkhole may be developing in your house. And they're weird signs. Your door jams don't fit. And your windows sometimes are out of sync. And when they're saying, really? Really? But they say that that's what it is. You can see it in the door. You can see it in the windows. You can see it because your house is shifting as the foundation changes. And a sinkhole expert can solve that problem before it gets worse, before the hole opens up. You know the symptoms in your own life, don't you? What are some of the symptoms? When you're getting overextended, when you're burning out, when you've gone too far. What does it feel like? What happens? You get irritable and cranky. Everybody and everything gets on our nerves. When you're get, now, I'm presupposing that you are not normally that way. Because <laughs> we're talking about beautiful women, and beautiful women are not irritable and cranky. So when you find yourself becoming irritable and cranky, that might be an indication. What else? Pardon me? Crying and becoming emotional and having difficulty managing our emotions the way we normally would. We find ourselves literally emotionally out of control, okay? Or exploding, sometimes extremely angry, exploding in ways. What else? Anxiousness, I'm starting to worry. I'm starting to feel insecure. I'm starting to feel unbalanced. Insecurity, what else? Laziness, I just don't have. I don't have the energy. I, I don't have the push, I can't go anymore. Which is not necessarily laziness. Although it looks like laziness, okay? But often we're just plain exhausted. We don't have the physical ability. And you could give a whole long list of symptoms. We know what they are. And we're very good at recognizing them in other people and ignoring them in ourselves. Been there? Okay. So, you know, I'll see you and I'll tell you, you know, you really need a break. You know, you're going through, did you, you know, you really... So what can we do for each other? We can help nurture and protect each other. Sometimes when I can't see it in me and you can see it, it may be a time to gently, gently, to gently and with love remind us. 
although it may be better to be reminding us just on a regular basis before we get there, helping each other exercise, helping each other eat, helping each other sleep. When the signs come, go back to God. Ask him, Lord, what do I need to let go? What do I need to change? How do I need to change? Do I need to do an Elijah and just let you feed me and give me rest and feed me and give me rest for a little while? If at this moment you are deep in a hole, if at this moment you are struggling, I'd like to give you a part of a text. Luke 5, 17. Luke 5, 17. It says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal. The power of the Lord was present to heal. And I want to assure you today, right now, that the power of the Lord is present to heal. That God is here and willing to heal you. Let me give you a quote from Ministry of Healing. Well, let me give you something else. Psalm 147. Let's go to Psalm 147. Psalm 147. And there are days when I can get where I need to go very quickly in my Bible, and using a new Bible isn't always helpful. Psalm 147 and verse 3. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. In Ministry of Healing, there's a quote that says, If human beings would open the window of the soul, heaven would. In appreciation of the divine gifts, a flood of healing virtue would pour in. I want you to look at that image. If you're in a hole, it's already open. It's already open. And if we would look up heavenward, she says, in appreciation of the divine gifts, a flood of healing virtue would pour in. What God wants to do for us is to protect us from sinkholes and to restore us when we have them. What God wants to do for us is strengthen and heal and empower so that we can do what it is that we're called to do. So that we can be those women that we've been talking about all week. So that we can minister in the way that we need to. I want to ask you to take a moment and think about all you've heard so far this week. In the sessions you've gone to, in the plenaries, in the, all of what you've heard this week. What is one thing that you need to be doing going home? What is one thing that God has placed on your heart? 
What is one thing that you have heard in all of the listening, in all of the sermons and presentations and so forth? What's one thing? What's one thing that as you go home, as you think about ministry, as you think about what God has for you, that you have heard? Oh, she's going to tell us one. Yes. Reading and believing the promises. And if, which I believe we are called to do, once we receive them, to share them with other people, if we're going to do that, one of the things that we need is clear minds. We need a mind that can hold on to those promises. And to have that kind of mind, you need a healthy body and you need sleep. You cannot memorize when you don't have sleep. You can't memorize when your stomach is growling. It's reality. Anything that you picked, I suspect, is affected by the quality of your health, the quality of your emotional health, and thus your spiritual health. Does that make sense? So this message today is a requirement for you in terms of you doing what God has called you to do. It's a strange final message for a session like this. But I believe what it's going to do is allow us to better be the ministers that God is sending us out to do. To better be the people that God is calling us to do. I'm excited about you going home. Because I'm excited about the difference that you're going to make in your church, school, wherever you might be. So what I'm going to be praying for you as you go home is full aquifers. A great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Deep covering. Strong foundation that you can stand on, pull from, to serve other people. That is my prayer. That God would give you and you would receive bountifully the gift that he wants you to have in order to do what he has called you to do. Shall we pray? Father, right now we come partially, Lord, as women who have sometimes overdone it. We come, Lord, asking forgiveness for those times where, in reality, we abused our bodies. Lord, we're asking for forgiveness for those times where we overextended beyond the call. Lord, we did it wanting to serve you. We did it because we wanted to be the woman that you would have us to be and give the gifts that you have given to us to others. We ask for your forgiveness, but Lord, now we ask for your wisdom. Because we are not sure sometimes how to take care of our health, to take care of our families, to do what needs to be done at church, to work in our communities, to bless other people on our jobs and in our schools. 
Lord, we don't know how to do it without draining the aquifers that we have been given. We don't know how to do it in ways that allow us to not have those major crashes. But Lord, you do know. You know exactly. You know because you did it in your own life. And you know because you are the God who designs our lives. So speak to us and give us strength to obey. Speak to us. Help us, Lord, not only to use your power to protect our lives and our bodies, but also, Lord, to protect each other, to nurture each other. And then, Lord, show us how in these final moments that so need our commitment and our ministry, show us how to model you completely and totally in all the things that we do and in all the ways that we do it. We ask that you would give us what we need. And Lord, in response, we give you love because you love us. We give you our trust because you are worthy of trust. We give you our obedience because you know so much more and you protect us in so many ways. And Lord, we give you our future to do with us and through us whatever you wish. We thank you and we love you. Amen. I promised, I think it was yesterday, that I would give a few minutes at the end of the presentation if there were some questions that I could answer. And so I want to give you some time um, if we need it to answer questions. Otherwise, it has been a joy. It has been a delight for me to be with you. And I pray God's richest blessings. This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, When All Has Been Heard, in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.